You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. This series that we're in, we're in our third part of this series, and today will be a little bit different because the last two weeks, and you can go to the podcast and listen to those, there was this tremendous backdrop that I was trying to sum up this Old Testament biblical character. And what we're doing is we're looking at their life then. How does it apply to Christ? And then how does it affect our life now? With the understanding of this, very simple concept. Your right now is eventually going to be somebody else's back then. And what you're doing right now will end up being something they look at as their back then, and it will affect their current now. And it's the simple concept of this. What would it look like if we lived a life that outlived our life? And I think that's kind of the goal. We use it around here saying the word life-giving. We want to be life-giving. And so we're going to look at a particular character that there's not a huge backdrop. Her name is Dorcas. Isn't that awesome? I don't know what exactly the story is behind that, uh, but I'm just thankful. But for all of you guys that may be having a child that's coming up or you're planning to have a child, if it's a female, can I encourage you to, to take a biblical name that really transformed lives? And can you go ahead and honor uh, your daughter? And can you name them Dorcas? And so I'm sure that child never grew up with any sort of funny names or name calling. But you also know her as Tabitha. And some people may go, well, hey, I know Tabitha. She shows up one time in the New Testament. We don't really know exactly a whole lot about her. It's one of these, one of these people in, in God's Word that shows up on the scene has nine verses that we're going to look at today, and then we'd never hear anything again. But, but what she did in nine verses totally transformed a lot of different And She's one of those characters that if you're not careful, you'll just, you'll miss it. Like you'll read through God's Word, and you'll study all the different things, and you'll miss somebody that really had something amazing more than just her name. And we're going to take a second and look at her in just a minute But to kind of set the stage, what I want you to understand is we're probably around 39 A.D. when we're talking about this. Nobody knows for sure exactly the time frame. But if we look, it says after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we start looking at this aspect of what's going on in Acts chapter 9. And the things that are going on with Peter and this outbreak that's going to be Pentecost. And how we're taking the gospel from being just a Jewish Judaism gospel, and we're taking it to the uttermost parts of the world, and we have these different missionary journeys that are about to take place with Paul, that we, we kind of figure out that it's somewhere, don't hold me exactly to it, but to give you a perspective of a time frame, we're talking about 39 AD roughly. So this is 39 years after the birth of Christ, a few years, about six years or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because we know that he spent 30 years preparing for a three-year ministry. And so if we take the time frame, that would make him 30 when he kind of entered the scene and started doing ministry. He kind of launched his ministry at a wedding where at the end he turns the water into wine, and then three years later he ends up being crucified. So if we take six years after that, we're roughly talking about around 39 A.D., and we're going to be talking about a place called Joppa. Now, Joppa you may recognize from one particular story in the Old Testament, but Joppa is where this one particular guy gets on a boat because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, and he ends up in the belly of a well. Remember that story? But Joppa, to give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on, this would be what would be roughly on the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. 
it would be just a little bit south of what is the current today Tel Aviv. So if you study Israel at all, or if you keep up with what's going on in Israel, when you think of Tel Aviv, it would be right around that area. It'd be kind of on the, it would be what, what Cleveland is to Chattanooga, Joppa location would be to what Tel Aviv is today. So it's a coastal community, very prominent, very well known, a lot of ports, a lot of things going on. So with that being said, let's dive into God's Word, and I just want to share just a few things Uh, Nothing really huge today, but God really put this on my heart because I think there's one main point that he wants for you and I to get that he's already been teaching me. So let's jump into chapter 9, verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. Now, I just want to pause the story there, because that seems like a very simple concept, and we could keep reading, and you would understand the story very quickly, but there's a couple of things that I want you to catch. Here's one of the things that is so intriguing to me about Tabitha slash Dorcas in God's Word. I believe that God's Word is the inerrant Word of God. It was inspired by God into men, and it was written. And do you know that in God's Word, your Old Testament was written in a language called Hebrew, but your New Testament was written in a language called Greek? That's the reason why you have these two phrases here, Tabitha or Dorcas. But in Greek, let me give you a a very, very, very quick Greek lesson. In the Greek language, they have three different concepts when it comes to a noun. They will have a noun, a particle, and they'll say this is either masculine, feminine, or neuter. And what that means is exactly what it sounds like. That's the reason why sometimes when you talk to the church and you talk about it being, you know, her or her church or the church being feminine, it's because we know that the noun that's used is a feminine particle noun, meaning it's feminine. Why? Well, because the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. So it helps with this consistency through God's word. It seems like a very simple thing, but it really helps us understand the inerrancy of of his word and how amazingly it was inspired and written. Do you know in all, listen to these words, in all of God's Word, from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, that only one time in God's Word is the noun disciple used in a feminine tense. Any other time the word disciple shows up in God's Word, Normally, it is masculine or it's neuter. In other words, it doesn't have a gender. It's talking to a group of people. But this one time is what you just read. In Joppa, a disciple, and it was feminine. Now, you say, what's the the significance? You need to understand the biblical concept of the role of women in biblical time. Please, this is not a male chauvinistic statement. This is not Mickey hating on... I love ladies, I am inspired by ladies, but you just need to know so you understand, in this time frame, most of the time, women were linked to their husband and what their husband was doing. 
Very rarely did you see a lady being brought to the forefront or put in leadership. Yes, I know there's amazing stories like Ruth. Yes, there is deaconess that are in God's Word. Yes, there is amazing ladies all throughout God's Word. I mean, guys, let's just be honest. If there's not a Mary, there's not a Jesus. Okay, so, so this isn't a chauvinistic statement. I'm just letting you understand that the way our society is set up now is not the same that it was roughly 2,000 years ago when this was taking place. So the fact that, that somebody was pinning in Acts, inspired by God, the word disciple, and he made that noun to be a feminine noun is a really big deal. So big that it's the only time in God's word that you will see it as a feminine noun. So that brought a question in my mind. What is it about Tabitha? What is it about Dorcas that she gained God's inspiration to be looked at and pinned as one of his disciples? I think disciples is one of those words that I think most of us don't even know how to explain. Like we don't understand, but, and we'll throw out the word discipleship, the making of disciples. So can I help us for a minute? Here's what disciples meant. You have to look at the context of what's going on in the book of Acts. You're starting to have this major Greek influence that's coming in to this, this, this area known as Israel. You're fixing to hit a huge time frame. And because of this Greek influence that's there, disciples are looked at as somebody that follows the teaching of a particular person. Well, if you study Greek at all or Greek influence, you'll know that there was a lot of philosophers, where it was Aristotle or Socrates or one of those guys. And so they also would gather people together and they would listen to their teachings and they would become a disciple of that teacher. And then they would take that teacher's teachings, apply them to their life, and start doing what the teacher said. Hence, they became a disciple of that teacher. Well, we know through God's Word that when he refers to disciples, he's talking about somebody that has taken Jesus' teachings, applied them to their lives, and started acting out on them. Nowhere in God's Scripture does he call somebody a disciple that is a hearer of the Word only, but doesn't follow it up with actions. That's an important point for you to hear. Nowhere in God's Word does the word disciple show up where it was a hearer of the word only, and it was not followed up with actions. The only person you could possibly debate would be Judas. But outside of Judas, who ends up betraying Christ, every time the word disciple is mentioned in God's word, especially in the New Testament, there is some sort of story where that person is applying the teachings of Jesus Christ, and it is changing other people's lives, and it is changing other people around them with the influence of Christ. So here is Tabitha, a.k.a. Dorcas, who has showed up on the scene, and for whatever reason, and there is a, a whatever, we're going to get to that in a minute, she has been known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the question is, what in the world did she do? Well, let's keep reading the story. Are you ready? So we know she's sick. They've called for Peter. He is just down the road. It'd be roughly about 11 miles in Lydia. If you read the previous scriptures, he just healed a man in Lydia. So they call to Peter and say, come quickly. So let's pick back up. We're going to be in verse 39. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took to him to the upper room. 
This is the place that Tabitha or Dorcas would be laying. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. So this is where we get the key to one of the concepts of who Dorcas is. Dorcas is a seamstress. But she's more than just your everyday, ordinary seamstress. She has taken this concept of who Jesus is and what he has called them to do. And she has, in particular, started leveraging all of her resources, all of her wealth, and all of her talent to go to some of the lowliest of low people in biblical time, some of the people that most people had forgotten, some of the people that God mentions pure and undefiled religion is this, to meet the needs of the orphans and the widows. She is meeting the needs of these women that have been lost. So much so that when Peter shows up on the scene and comes up in this upper room, they start gathering around Peter, and they're literally, if you've ever been to a funeral and you hear people start telling stories about how somebody has impacted their life, they are not telling stories about Dorcas. They are bringing in their hand, showing him the amazing things that she has made with her hands, with her resources, with her time, and is showing Peter how they were made valuable because they were noticed by somebody. Like when nobody else was meeting their needs, Dorcas was clothing them. A lot of these tunics that they were bringing would have been the undergarment that you would wear underneath something. And it was something that would be of statue or of status. And she wasn't just making these things out of just like a, ah, I got nothing better to do. She was understanding through Pentecost and what happened in the earlier parts of Acts what it means to sell your possessions and start to meet the needs of the people. See, I believe, so you can put a question mark here, I believe the reason why She's the only female that gets tagged with a feminine noun known as a disciple is because she actually understood what it meant to be a disciple. See, disciple is not following Jesus to tell everybody who he is. A disciple is about loving people, and because you love them well, they understand exactly who he is. I had a professor that one time told me this, and it stuck with me through many, many years. He said, Mickey, more's caught than taught. More's caught than taught. I think in parenting, that's one of the things that we run into. I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to teach our children that we don't realize that they're learning every single day. You know what they're learning? They're modeling exactly what you're doing. And that's the reason why they sometimes get confused. Because sometimes as a parent, we try to teach our children the right way. The problem is, is we are modeling for them something totally different. And they sit there through their little mind of trying to grasp what's right and what's wrong and how can I do this. And they're, they're getting confused. Because you know why? Because more's caught than taught. I had a gentleman come up to me. And it was one of the most positive things I ever received in student ministry. When I was in student ministry 25 plus years. Me and Amy had felt a calling. We were getting ready to go to a different church. And this gentleman came up to me and he says, I want to thank you for what you and Amy did for my son. This son was getting ready to get engaged. He ended up getting married to a girl that actually had been working with us in student ministry. And they said this. They said, you and Amy modeled for my son what it meant 
to love each other well. But it made me realize that what these people are talking about is exactly right. You know what? It's one thing to teach the truth by talking. And then it's another thing to live the truth by loving and modeling it. That's what Dorcas did. And Dorcas had such an impact on these widows that when Peter showed up, they started bringing to him all of these garments and are pleading, please help us. Can I ask you a question? The day that you pass on, and please know, I, I don't want to be like, woohoo, this is great, but everybody in this room is going to die. You're welcome. We just don't know when, right? Some of us feel like we're closer now than we've ever been. Some of us feel invincible, like, oh, man, I got so much of life. And the crazy part is we don't know. The one that feels invincible could end up being in a car wreck this week. And the one that feels like they're on death's door, the miraculous could show up. And you got many, many years. Like, we truly don't know. But the amazing part is, is that in that process of living, there is something that we are doing with the way that we are reaching people. And so when we hit that point of that passing, I wonder if people will show up your funeral and have the same concept that they had with Peter. And here was basically, I'm going to give you the Mickey Clark summarization. Peter, Peter, she did this, she did this. Look at this. She loved us well. Nobody else loves us like Dorcas loves us. You must do something because without Dorcas, I don't know how to keep living and moving forward. Are you pouring into people in such a way that if something was to happen to you, that there would be a part of them that says, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. That's exactly what they're talking about here. And listen to what Peter does. He is so moved by the way that Dorcas has loved these ladies so well. He is so moved by their agony and weeping and their desire and love for this one particular lady that listen to what he does. It's a great story. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, turning to the body. And he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. I want you to think about this for a minute. Here is a lady that loved people so well that it moved God to move through Peter to bring her back to life so that she could keep doing what she was doing. I want you to think about that for a minute. Now, I'm going to help you mentally because I know where some of you are going. Immediately, you may have lost a loved one. may have been recent, may have been in the last few weeks, may have been in the last few months, may have been in the last few years. And if you're not careful, you'll take this story and you'll be like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I mean, these people meant something to me. I, I want them to come back. You know, there's only a few people in God's Word that gets to experience resurrection from the dead. Do you know after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's only two people that are mentioned? One is in this chapter, 
which is Dorcas. The other is a few chapters later in Acts chapter 20 of a gentleman that fell asleep during a service and fell out of a three-story window, and he died. You say, Mickey, why do you bring that up? I'm just telling you, people that fall asleep during a service die. I'm just saying. You say, well, they got brought back. I'm not Peter. I'd wake up. (laughs) That's the only two. It's not the end, but it's the only two. You say, Mickey, well, well, that's the story of the then. How, How does it relate to Jesus? Listen to what happens. This is so good. Took her by the hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And in verse 42, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You know, this one story of resurrection in a garment maker is somebody that was, that was loving the widows ends up being one of the launching pads where we see the gospel go to the uttermost parts of the world. It goes from a very Jewish concept to it starts going to different places. And people have heard the story of Tabitha or Dorcas and how she was raised from the dead. And they're starting to associate this amazing lady who at the time, I mean, think about this. She was just seeing a need and loving these widows and meeting a need. I don't think there was ever a moment in Dorcas's life that she goes, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do this because if something happens to me, this is such a big deal that, that God's going to bring me back from the dead. I think she simply was seeing a need and meeting a need. Why? Because she knew that's what a disciple did. See, a disciple wasn't consumed with their own worth. A disciple wasn't consumed with just their needs. A disciple of Jesus Christ is always consumed with the other people. It's the reason why communities in the middle of our name. Some people say, why is it Crossroads Community Church? Very simple. We think Crossroads stands where everybody is. Crossroads is the story of our life. Every day you're standing at a crossroads to make a decision. And we believe that if you focus on the cross more than the roads, then the roads will take care of itself. Church, at the end, is who we are. We are the bride of Christ. But we believe that in all the decisions we make and in everything that we do as his church, we always should be focused right smack dab in the middle, which is what? Our community. Like there should never be a time. Can I put it simpler? If something happened, we were sitting here Sunday morning, and we didn't know this, but a storm was coming, and here comes a tornado, and wipes out crossroads. Would anybody notice? Like, we're talking about temporarily permanent. You know, yes, we're temporarily here in this building. We understand this isn't going to be our permanent home. But the day that we do celebrate and we move to this property that's going to be what God has anointed and provided, I wonder if Bradley Central, who's been so generous to us, I I personally want it to be the best and worst day of their life. I want them to be like, woohoo. I want Dr. Cash to be like, man, I'm so excited for you guys, but I can't, I hate to see you go. Like, you guys did so much. And not because we wanted anything, but because that's what disciples do. 
Well, this story goes out and it spreads throughout all Joppa and it says, and many people believe. But the question is, well, that's the story of the then that talks about Christ. What's that got to do with us? Well, the reality is, is that you guys continue with the story of Dorcas. In fact, I'll give you a little bit of a, of a cool concept as I was studying this. Especially in the Presbyterian church. If you spend much time focusing on the Presbyterian church and some of the Episcopal churches, they will have these things called Dorcas societies. And the whole thing is built around women that are going out to meet the needs of the people that most people have forgotten. Whether it be widows, whether it be people in poverty, whether it's just the people, you know what I'm talking about. The people that most people don't ever notice. And they call those Dorcas societies. In fact, in some of your really prominent churches across the world, you'll see stained glass windows. And you'll see this, this, this elderly lady that, that's, look, it, it almost, if you're not careful, you would think it was Jesus with like children, ministering to children. And then you start realizing when you look at the reference of the stained glass window that no, it's a picture of Dorcas meeting the needs of the widows. And it's somebody's life who's transcendent time, who only shows up in nine verses, but because of what she did, it had such an impact on society that people in certain areas and in certain communities still talk about this and have named things after her. Something that we laugh at saying, man, what's a name like Dorcas? But you go to some people in a Dorcas society is where they find hope and where they find comfort. And where they find somebody meeting their needs. But her story of resurrection, here's where it gets good, is your story. See, if we study the New Testament and we keep reading, we realize that towards the end, guess what? Everybody's going to be resurrected. Like that's major scripture. I love this scripture. And he, pre he presented her as someone who was alive. See, she was looked at as somebody that was dead. But because of what God did in her life, she was now looked at like somebody that was living or had something to offer. Now, I don't know every single one of you personally. But I know all of you enough. And Dorcas's story is your story. No, you may not be a garment maker. But you're somebody that felt like you were dead at one point. And through Jesus Christ, he has a way of helping each and every one of you, including me on this stage, to live a life that people go, wow, what's different? Like, like this guy used to be like this. But man, because of God and his life, he's, he's now over here. Like this person used to be very self-consumed. He was only worried about his own self. He was only worried about his own needs. He's only talking about satisfying his own desires. He was only struggling with addictions or whatever it may be because he only was meeting his own desires. But now, now he, he presents not only as somebody that has life, but somebody that brings life to other people. And when that happens, here's what's great. Just like Dorcas' story goes all throughout Joppa 
And to this day, especially over in England and the UK, you see these Dorcas societies. Or up in the north in Maine, you see these Dorcas societies. Your life can end up representing something bigger than yourself, that your story is bigger than the community in which you live. That when people hear your name, they think about somebody whose life has been changed. That once was dead... And now is presented as somebody that brings life. Can I tell you that's what we mean when we say life-giving? You say, Mickey, how do we do this? Like, like this sounds great, but, but where do we start? It starts with seeing a need and meeting a need. It starts with understanding that that no matter where you're at, there's a major group of people out there that have been forgotten. And God's going to pierce your heart. And he's going to make you run to those that other people have forgotten. It could be a coworker, It could be a family member. It could be a, a different group that you've not met, but they, they have a need. I don't know what it may be. But can I encourage us as we look at the, the then and now? That as a church, we get more consumed with making a difference rather than being a difference. I think sometimes, and I'm going to be real careful the way I say this. The church gets so consumed with being different from the world that they miss out on making a difference in it. What would it look like if we just showed up and said, you know what? Man, I love you. And I'm not going to tell you what you got to do or not do. But I'm going to leverage my time, my talents, my resources. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to meet a need. Not because of anything that I need. Not because... I'm this major fixer, and that's my job. Like some people, you know what I'm talking about? Those people that like to go around and have people projects. Like they got to find somebody. Like I, I, like I got to have something to do with my life, and so you're my personal, like you're my project. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that go out and meet needs. Why? Because as a disciple of Christ, you know a time when he met yours. You know a time when you were dead in your transgressions and you felt hopeless. But because of Jesus, you now are presented as somebody that lives. And you want other people to know what it means to have a life that is living. Something that is presented to people. And you say, you know what, I don't have an ability. I'm not Peter. I, I can't walk around bringing the dead to life. But what I can do is I can bring life to the living. And I do that by noticing them and loving them. That's the story of Dorcas. And her then still affects your now. But now you got to figure out what are you going to do with it. 
If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.